Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Petra Page, man, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself and share a project that you're currently working on or excited about. Oh, well, shucks, Scott. It's so nice to see you. It's so great to join you. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I'm entirely delighted to share with you today a few things I'm passionate about. And it basically comes down to eating with people I love. (laughs) And I can't wait to share a meal with you one day, Scott. Absolutely. In our home. And in the meantime, uh, we'll travel across the ethers. And so the heart of eating for me starts with seeds. And I am just so compelled by these little things that you can barely see that turn into redwoods. <laughs> and then they turn into basil. And when people ask me if I have children, I say, yes, great, great grandchildren. And I put them <laughs> in packets. And if I think they have a sense of humor, I say, and you can eat them. <laughs> so I grow organic, regionally adapted seeds for short seasons. Our farm is in zone five in the Finger Lakes of New York. And we have well over 300 varieties. And we're both saving the seeds of heirlooms and developing the heirlooms of tomorrow that are, won't be heirlooms until our great, great grandchildren are eating them and not, can't imagine life without them. So we are collaborating with all kinds of people in our community, whether they're schools and chefs, universities, and every year we host a watermelon party in the Dahlias. And so I hope to see you and anyone else in the world can come and eat watermelon all day long because I only grow watermelon for the organic seeds inside. So I need lots of help eating the watermelon. It's the final Saturday of August <laughs> and, and, and it's always that day. And I can't wait to see you there. And you'll find all that info and then some online are web presence. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram as Fruition Seeds or, or FruitionSeeds.com. And we have a beautiful blog. I'm entirely self-serving, a very beautiful <laughs> blog, you understand. Uh, but it's a beautiful community and I'm such, such, it's such a privilege to be a part of it. Wow. So, you know, this is the name of the broadcast is Creative on Purpose. And, you know, I've, we've talked to musicians, we have talked to entrepreneurs, we have talked to um, painters and um, butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. <laughs> um, but you're actually in the business of creating life. You are creating these little, uh, little dots of potentiality <laughs> that become uh, become whatever you, the creator, decide that they're going to become. So, um, congratulations. Why, thank you. I really think of it as a dialogue to interject briefly because I think I am manipulating these plants at least a little bit like the plants are manipulating me. Um, Perhaps you've read Michael Pollan and Botany of Desire and I am a true believer that the reason I'm saving watermelon seed isn't because I'm in control. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's because these plants have so much capacity to overwhelm our senses and make us think nothing else is more important than saving this seed so that we can grow more of them. Right. Um, Michael Pollan's phrase is, agriculture is a brilliant plan of the grasses to get back at the trees. And I fully agree, I'm at their service. <laughs> Yeah. My hands are tied. Well, it's funny that you bring up bring up Michael because um, he recently came out with a book called How to Change Your Mind, which my wife and I have been uh, reading. And I've been listening to his podcast appearances with, I think he's been on the Joe Rogan and the Sam Harris podcast. He might have already been on Tim Ferriss. But um, I mean, he's a fascinating guy. And he's he's definitely in like new to, new territory or unexpected territory for those that have followed him to this point because this new book is really about the power of um of hallucinogenics to help uh help free ourselves of um post-traumatic stress and depression and all sorts of things but yeah. i specifically recall in one of the podcasts that i listened to where he talked about this idea where you know we think we're manipulating the plants but in fact the plants are actually uh, manipulating <laughs> us which is yeah. <laughs> I, so i uh, my my view of all that would be let's instead of this word manipulation can we start mm. to talk about collaboration I mean, amen <laughs> it's totally a dialogue it's totally a dance i could not agree more well I mean, and we I, need each other right yeah yeah that is that is the story of life so i would love to hear the origin story of fruition seeds how does Petra page man. Um, you know, I don't know if you ever had any other aspirations for what you were going to do when you grew up. I'm still working on that myself. Um, I'm but I'm not growing up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm living testimony that you can do that. Yes. Uh, God, we can be friends. Yes. As, as I always tell people that as a musician, you get to play for a living. And so I, I've never worked a day in my life. I, I play every day. Um, but how, how, how did how did Fruition Seeds come to fruition? And how did your journey as mm. the purveyor of Fruition Seeds come to be? I'm so honored to share this, and I'd like to share it in two different segments. And the first one is brief, and it's hilarious. My mother, I have a mother. I'm a mother of kale, and my mother has two legs, and she lives in Anchorage, Alaska. And my mother's a Unitarian Universalist minister, so she will meet a new congregation and she has the opportunity to tell her congregation about her daughters in two minutes. So she delights in telling me her elevator pitch of her daughter's progression to fruition. And so if you want to paint that picture, you see this, oh, very linear story. Of course, Petra would become a seed saver and start her own business and blah, blah, blah. And that's the end of segment one. You can see that line if you want to see it. It's only because retrospect has us um, with that view. In reality, I love to dabble and I've, I'm very passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. And it's a lot of things. It includes eating, it includes birds, it includes community, and it involves being fairly terrified of corporate constructs <laughs> and, and constructs, period. <laughs> And so I've, I, Fruition Seeds was a dream for the decade prior to it beginning. 
and I began at the end of 2012 um, with my partner Matthew and I signing an LLC. Um, but I had after high school, I and I grew. Um, let me back up a tiny bit. I grew up <laughs> 10 miles north of where I currently am in the Finger Lakes of Western New York. It's beautiful, and my father gardened about the size of our kitchen. It was maybe 10 by 20 and a beautiful big garden to me, not big by many people's um, comparisons. And we saved seeds. And you know, Scott, I didn't think much of it because if you had asked me when I was six years old, when I was 12 years old, what I loved to do, I wouldn't have told you saving seeds because I wasn't going to tell you, I really love to brush my teeth, Scott. Right. <laughs> it's just something that we did. And I'll always be so grateful that it was something that I took for granted. And then high school, I know I'm not ready to go to college because F that. <laughs> and I know I want to be in the wilderness as far away from all of this craziness that is the economic, political, everything of America. And so I work for you know, the Colorado 14ers Initiative, and I'm way high up thousands of feet above treeline in the Colorado Rockies, building trails in the midst of incredible wilderness and eating like processed cheddar cheese that doesn't mold after a month of not being refrigerated and rich crackers. And I was like, oh, shoot, I really need to find somewhere in the middle <laughs> because I took this food thing for granted the first 17 years of my life. So at that point, I realized that agriculture is kind of this wonderful intersection of all of these different passions that I have. And it's not exactly wilderness, but you're outside and you're on the edge of wild places and you're interfacing with wild things all the time and you're eating the best food on the planet. Okay, I'm in. So fast forward through several years of working on small, diverse, organic farms all across the country and all across the world. And having this like list of 200 plus things that I wanted to learn and every year saying, what's the top 20? And of that top 20, what's the top five? And then finding the next farm that I was going to go to based on that top five. And four years in, I threw the towel in on bees and orchards and horsepower and all these other things because I realized for me that every question I asked came back to this heart of how does this impact genetic diversity? And that interest in genetic diversity was kind of the center of that spoke of that hub of that wheel and so I started I threw in the towel on diversity and started working on diversity in terms of lots of different things happening on a farm and started working for organic seed producers and just went it long in that vein for a decade and so I think of my progression I think of it, you know, there's the slow food movement as opposed to like, we're going to stop in at Starbucks, the drive through and that is fast food. And my education has definitely been in the slow food movement of just dabbling and gradually taking on bits of responsibility, but mostly just reveling in the learning and the slow process of it, asking so many questions and not building anything of my own. I didn't actually have a driver's license and own a car till I was 27. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I didn't go, I actually didn't go to college. I, um, I was at a local community college my last two years of high school. And then I audited two semesters. I shouldn't say that publicly at Cornell when I moved back to New York. 
um, just, I didn't fit into a degree program. I, I told myself I didn't fit into a degree program, but I wanted to take specific courses from specific professors. So I have lots of great connections there without any of the debt. And who knows if I'm young and naive, that's certainly true. But if it'll come back to bite me, that may not be true, that I don't have an actual degree. Um, but it's that community that has allowed me over the years, if I have any question, whether it's a pathology or an insect, how do I move this stage in the breeding process forward? There's this amazing suite of humans around the planet that are on speed dial that are very generous. I ask questions all day long. Well, I would say uh, as somebody that does have a degree, um, but and, and has one one son that is going that path and one that's definitely turned his back on that path. Um, that, uh, and we homeschooled our boys all the way through high school. Um, so I think there's a difference between education and schooling. And I think, um, what you have received is an education, which is what we all need. And, um, you've done it without having to go through all the trials and tribulations that are associated with schooling, uh, of which there are, there are many downsides. (laughs) So, um, but I love one of the things that, that you said that I want to kind of pull on is this idea of leveraging diversity. And you also have, you kind of um, talked around this idea of, of kind of embracing curiosity, uh, not knowing all the time exactly where you were going or what it was for, um, but kind of intuiting and instinctfully pursuing things that that seemed important, but I, you know, and of course are important um, to all of us. So, uh, you know, and th- speak to either of those points: the the the, the diversity piece or the curiosity piece. Mm. They're both so rich and they both kind of follow each other. You know, the more you're curious, the more you'll see that there's so many ways to access that curiosity. And I think that's one of, I think that curiosity is, if I was going to make a list of the key things that I love most about myself and that I would hope that no matter what happens in my life to myself or other people that I love, I hope that it's that curiosity that continues to maintain I am just so insatiable <laughs> when it comes to curiosity and um and I admittedly I'd like to cu- cultivate my curiosity in a greater diversity like when it comes to my car not starting in the morning <laughs> I'm not curious Scott I'm not gonna lie <laughs> but Hopefully, I have other people. I honestly, I rely so much. I'm totally an extrovert if it's not overtly apparent. I really rely a lot on the people around me and their openness, their curiosity, and their passion to fuel my own because I, I have my little subset of the world that I see. And if I have that diversity of humans around me and that diversity of perspectives, all of a sudden it brings such way more richness to my own curiosity because I then see the connections. Oh. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's interesting. So, um, I, I don't have a lot of, I, well, uh, 
I have this, I, I, I'm not a car person either. My older son is very much, he like lives in his garage. So um, I get that, you know, we all have different interests, right? And so instead <laughs> totally. of instead of saying that I'm not curious about why um, my car doesn't start, I, I say, I, I like to say, isn't that interesting that my car isn't starting? Why don't I call my son and have him come over and take a look? <laughs> <laughs> so but the the idea and and the thing about the I, i've been thinking a lot about both of these things very very recently because i'm i'm you're amongst the last guests of the fourth season of this broadcast mm -hmm. and as i've been deciding what to do going forward into season five uh i've looked back at four seasons and seen that i never really had a an intentional thematic approach to each season. But as I look at the guests, it's like, oh, there are themes here. Like the very first season was very much about stoicism and the second season was very much um, about creatives, people that I self-identify as creatives. And then the third season was all, all NBA alumni friends. And then this season is all the marketing seminar friends. Um, <laughs> and so the season five coming up, I, I, I hit upon this, um, idea that's been swirling around in my head for over a year now which is the idea that we are we are at a in this time that we live in we are wrestling with what are called wicked problems wicked not in that they are evil but wicked in that they defy being easily resolved and they are full of nuance and unknowables and there's no clear path through them and the only way it seems to me that we're going to be able to solve wicked problems is to have wicked conversations where we are willing to drop our assumptions drop our agendas uh, suspend our beliefs and enter a dialogue with people that you know may or may not um, where we may or may not have a lot of points of agreement or shared interests or shared perspectives. And instead of talking over, through, or past each other, we start to, to speak not to each other, but with each other, that we are seeking to understand other people's, the diverse points of view that are out there in the world, not because we're necessarily looking to change our mind. I think it takes a lot for people to change their mind about things, um, especially when they're tied to identity and belief systems and things like that. But just to understand that there are different ways of looking at the same situation or circumstance and that, you know, it seems like the only hope we have to survive as a species is if we uh, stop or start collaborating more and stop competing. Uh, so, so, or having competition being the uh, default setting, or even worse, I would say contempt being the, the, the default setting, which seems to be all too prevalent in at least the political landscape today. So this oh. idea, and it's interesting because I remember the theme of, of my, my college classes journey through um, a liberal arts education was the idea of celebrating the diversity was the theme that we tackled. So this has been a kind of a thing that's been near and dear to my heart since my kind of intellectual um, 
awakening. And I, I love, um, you know, and, and in your work, you know, you are literally saving the planet from people that want to, you know, create monocultures that are very, very fragile. Uh, and if, you know, if we lose the one tomato plant that we've allowed ourselves to, you know, to eat, <laughs> it's not going to be good for us. You know, it's diversity is diversity is something that makes us all stronger. You know, if you're going to spend a, your life in a bubble and, uh, you know, protect yourself from all of life's hardships, you know, at some point, if you poke your little head out of that bubble, you're going to be you're going to, you're going to get a ass whooping and, and how, um, you know, getting out there in the chaos <laughs> is where the fun, it, you know, where the, it's challenging for sure, but it's also, uh, exciting and exhilarating to be part of this messy dance <laughs> that we're all, totally. that we're all engaged in. So I'm sorry, I just kind of ranted there for a minute. So I couldn't agree more. Diversity is the foundation of resilience. And it's a huge privilege to see how that plays out at the genetic level. Um, and also really humbling, to be honest. Vandana Shiva has this amazing phrase, monoculture of the mind. And I think it is so, so brilliant. And it's not just something that, you know, I'm 200 feet out my window is one of our five farms. A thousand feet beyond that is the edge of about 80 acres of GMO corn. So finding, you know, I'm surrounded every day by that reality. And, but at the same time, I honestly, there's even the level of agriculture that, that we practice. I all the time, Scott, just, I'm, I don't know how sustainable it is. You know, I make lots of, we order so many things on Uline and Amazon. I mean, people that are going to be growing food a century from now are going to have really different reality and really different choices than we have now. And I have no idea what is truly sustainable. And it kind of drives me crazy when people you know, even use that word or even lift us up as this kind of uh, example. And certainly we're a bridge. Um, but I constantly am searching and seeking and trying to really push ourselves to question what we assume because we have this monoculture of, um, in my mind, it's just this box of, you know, even though I've worked on lots of farms and I, I'm not as steeped in the acad academic sense as most, I still feel it. What I spent two weeks ago, I spent an afternoon in the presence of Joseph Lofthouse, who is this amazing plant breeder in Idaho. And the entire time in his presence, I was so thoroughly aware of the box that I live in. And having, I couldn't agree more, how do we put ourselves in those places where we're able to see that bubble that we're in that we might not even see? And then the magic is to feel safe enough with that person who can let us see outside of it that we cannot be afraid and we can actually learn in that space rather than feel challenged and fearful of being outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, I think, well, the challenge part of it, I would say the challenge part is, is, is worth embracing because, uh, but it's got to be a challenge worthy of us and, and, uh, and a challenge that at the end of which or on the other side of is a 
goal worth pursuing because um, you, and, and I'm thinking of this because you mentioned, you know, you were talking about sustainability as being kind of a, an overused or maybe maybe we're putting too much emphasis on this idea of sustainability. And But you had another word that you used um, just a minute ago, resiliency. And I think resiliency is the thing that we really want to cultivate because nothing, the status quo is never sustainable forever. There's <laughs> stuff is going to change. And, you know, if, if you've worked towards sustaining something that is not sustainable in a new situation or circumstances it's just dead Mm -hmm. so what good did that all that sustainability work do whereas you embrace diversity and if you cultivate um this this posture of allowing yourself to be open to uh the slings and arrows of misfortune and to the challenges of uh diversity then you are putting yourself through a training where you are learning that you have that because you have maintained your curiosity and because you have this courageous posture, you, you know, that you will survive and you know that you can, through employing your curiosity and your creativity, that you will find ways to make, to make it work out, to, to, to be able to continue on. That's, you know, for me, resiliency, um, is that's another another subject near and dear to me, my heart these days because I, I think that's a big part of again to circle back to the um, kind of cultural, political, socio economic uh, moment that we're in. Um, we're, we're not cultivating resiliency. We're we're we're, we're cultivating. Um, I don't know. Parochialism. Parochialism. Let's not make the list of what we're calling (laughs) (laughs) Or else I need to get my hanky. (laughs) God, I'd love to tell you this little story. Um, Last two Mays ago. Oh gosh, was it three Mays ago? Anyway, the May before our last presidential election. My partner, Matthew, and I, were, we love to read poems, and we read this poem by Naomi Shihab Nye, and it's called The Red Brocade, and it's such a beautiful poem, and we were both so moved by it, and it inspired us to, and it's all about how to welcome, how to welcome strangers into your home, um, and it's an amazing poem. So we read it, and Matthew was inspired to make this sign that we would put on the side of the road that says, welcome strangers and friends join us for a meal at six. And so our friend Daryl is an amazing artist and he made this whole little sign and that's about as tall as me and has this, this person with a hand in the air with a platter of food and then this sign um, that's Matthew on one side of the sign, me on the other side of the sign. <laughs> and the sign itself says, welcome strangers and friends, join us for a meal at six. Um, and we wheel it out on these like plowshares and it's pretty amazing. I should send you a picture to share with everyone. And so we ask, we tell, we share with Daryl, we share the, we shared the poem with him and he was inspired to make us this sign. And he made us a sign. He dropped it off, Scott, the week before the presidential election. 
And I live in a little town in the Finger Lakes in upstate New York, 2,000 people. And I live in a bubble. Let me count the ways. I live in a bubble. It's, we live in a very, in a very progressive town, considering we live in upstate New York. That being said, <laughs> there is that blessed diversity. And so the week before the election, I'm driving down, and we live right on Main Street. Uh, I'm driving down Main Street, and I'm just amazed. There's like three Confederate flags in front of various houses and lots of other houses that have not just one, more than five signs for Trump. And and I'm... And there's this sign in my driveway that says, welcome strangers and friends. And I just don't know if I want to invite just any stranger into my home. And so I'm I'm realizing, grappling with the fact that regardless of who's president, I can't let the fact of who is president determine who comes into my home, who I treat with respect on a day-to-day basis. And so we, with boldness and with courage, put that sign out and we put it out. Um, It varies sometimes once a month, sometimes twice a month. It's been about four months. Um, We had a four-month lapse this week, this winter, but um, it's whenever we feel like it, there's no rhyme or reason. We don't tell anyone. We don't post it on social media. We just put the sign out and whoever sees it shows up. And generally there's between 30 and 50 oh, wow. people that come and the, and no, it's not a potluck people that we are just making tons of food and feeding whoever comes. And it's been a really huge, you know, there's lots of friends that come, but there's at least one, if not three or four strangers strangers each time and you know so far we haven't it's not like we're in there intentionally being like what are you doing with the confederate flag and you're <laughs> or like diving into religion diving into politics diving into the depth of all of our dark demons um that we hold on to so personally but we're just creating that initial relationship so that we can begin to look at each other as neighbors and then as friends, right. and then people with shared common interests. Yeah. But then when it comes the time to actually have those hard conversations, maybe we, maybe we will, knowing that it's still going to be really hard. <laughs> and, but hopefully because we have an established relationship, we have the foundation of that resilience. Yeah, no, that's uh, what, what a beautiful thing uh, to be doing that. And I, th- one of the things that I, put in this little guide that I have about the wicked conversations is, is this idea that if we have, if, if we start from what we value as opposed to what we believe in these conversations, then it's, then we can start from common ground. I mean, who's going to say, um, I, I'm not for family period. I mean, that's nobody, nobody's going to say that unless they're a sociopath or a psychopath. So if you say, well, I'm, I'm actually a big supporter of, of, uh, family. Well, that they are too, immediately you have a point of shared values. And the more values that you can connect on, the the more resilient you will be to the differences that you have in beliefs and the more possibility there is to have a human-to-human conversation as opposed to an agenda-to-agenda uh, conversation. Well, um, so that's a beautiful story. I'm going to um, allow us to end on that because we've reached the end of our 
uh, half hour. But before I let you um, uh, go play with your seeds uh, or back to playing with your seeds, could you tell us one more time, where can the viewers connect with you online and learn more about uh, your work and fruition seeds? fruitionseeds.com and that's f-r-u-i-t-i-o-n i didn't even tell you the story of why it's fruition seeds oh i'm such a slacker but fruitionseeds.com and we send out a weekly email that's um, a link to our blog that's very fun very beautiful very timely very informative i do tons of videos you'll find us on youtube and uh, we have a garden club as well. If you want to go deep dive into Flourish, it's the most timely, the most personal, the most fun. I'm very biased. Uh, but you'll find that Flourish Garden Club at fruitionseeds.com as well. And find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. And find us if you're ever in the Finger Lakes. I love face to face. And I can't wait. See you here one day, Scott, and anyone else that's tuning in. We are all in it together, and I have so much to learn from you all. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and your attention. Please connect with Petra Page Mann at fruitionseeds.com. And it's always, of course, good to hear from you at becreativeonpurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus, learning that does not lead to action is useless. So take what you've learned here today and go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters. Petra Page, man, thanks so much for your generosity in being here with us today and for all the great work that you do. Thank you, Scott. So much love. Till next time. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're still with us, we really appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with our guests wherever they live online. And it's always good to hear from you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters. 